is the podcast for Narrate Church. Narrate Church meets every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. at the Grand Street Theater in Helena, Montana. For more information, visit www.narratechurch.org. This morning we're going to pause from the series that we're in. We've been working through the series called Mind, Heart, Soul. Uh, and what we're doing this morning is, uh, if you were with us on Vision Weekend, that weekend we talked about <clears throat> this culture of interning and, and we introduced a guy named Caleb to you and many of you know him. No, even if you know him, he's a bit of an enigma. Like, no one really knows him. And, and sometimes you wonder if he knows his own birthday, but that's its own conversation. Um, so what I asked him to do this weekend uh, was, was to just come and share who he is. And really what I've done is encouraged him to please be self-absorbed and, and come un- unpack for us his story and how Christ has entered his story and, and how his own unique experiences with the Lord have shaped the way he's leading and impacting students, particularly middle school students right now. Now, if you're a parent of uh, a middle school student, then obviously this is some obvious background for you. Uh, If you're not a parent of a middle school student, you need to know that that foundation that was started by Jason and then built on uh, by Tom and then by James is just continuing to to thrive and under Caleb's leadership, it's it's crazy. There's this really neat small group of leaders, 20-somethings that are starting to grow. I I don't know, I didn't talk to him this week, but incrementally it's grown from like eight to 10 to 14. And so there's, I talked to one mom who's like, "I, I can't, I don't have a big enough vehicle to get all the kids that my daughter wants to bring with her to middle school on Friday nights. So you should be proud of Caleb and what he's doing with the Narrate students if, if you don't have any connection there. And then also, uh, I guess the hope this morning is while he's sharing his story and unpacking his own testimony that, that you can relate to some of what he's going to challenge us on with regards to purpose, something that I think we all struggle with. So with that, Caleb, will you? Yo, yo, what up, Narrate? That was awkward last service too, I guess, so... So yeah, uh, I feel super privileged to be up here and get to uh, talk with you guys. So this morning, uh, I'm going to talk about me, and I really don't want to talk about me, but that's what I'm going to do anyway, so I'm sorry in advance if you get tired of listening about me. So uh, I kind of want to share kind of my journey in my life and kind of what that looked like of trying to pursue and follow Jesus and... Uh, if I could really kind of focus uh, me trying to follow Jesus on like one idea or one main theme or pinpoint like one area, I'd have to, I'd have to do it on, on this thing called purpose. Like it was this thought in my mind, like why am I here? What's my point of existence? Like why is it that I'm doing what I'm doing? Like how do I get the most bang for my buck and get the most meaning out of my life? And, uh, you know, it was this thought like, when life is hard, when life, you know, sucks out there sometime and it's full of pain and kind of broken, like, why do I keep going when it'd be easier just to give up and kind of live a monotonous life and take that easiest path? Um, So that's what I'm going to kind of unpack this morning. So uh, first things first, a little bit about me is I was born, I know, shocking, right? Um... I was born one of uh, one of seven brothers in Bozeman, Montana, and I was number six. I believe we have a family photo. Yeah, we're real photogenic. And uh, so I was number six, so that meant, you know, I got beat up a lot by my older brothers, most of it well-deserved, and uh, growing up... Uh, we were kind of raised in the church, uh, kind of a very strict legalistic church, a lot of 
do's and don'ts, you know, everything's black and white, this is how it is, like, checklist, like, you know, way to be raised, you know, we were there Sunday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday, every time the door was open, and uh, so kind of that background, you know, we had no TV or listened to any secular music, so, because that's of the devil, right? But, uh, so, uh, so growing up, uh, we played outside a lot, you know, doing boy stuff, building tree forts, and jumping off of houses onto trampolines, and uh, having apple fights. In the wintertime, we used to play with Playmobil and Lincoln Logs. Kids have a lot cooler toys now. And uh, I remember my mother used to gather all of us boys, and we'd sit on the living room floor, and she'd read Little House to the Prairie to us, which I just discovered a couple of days ago that, well, she was reading Little House on the Prairie to us. Like, most kids were getting read uh, Harry Potter. So I feel left out now. So, so my parents uh, homeschooled most of us most of our years growing up. And uh, when I was in second grade, my parents moved to Manhattan. And uh, they decided to put me into... Uh, the public school, so I should have been going on a third grade. And uh, the one thing I didn't realize, though, is if you can't read by second grade, you can't go into third grade. And I couldn't read very well, so I had to repeat second grade. So second grade was a long two years for me. Um, my parents then moved to Haver when I was about 10 and uh, to work at a, a boy's home. And in, it was a boy's home for... Troubled teens, 13 to 17, who got in trouble with the law, drugs, alcohol, trouble at home. It was a very strict military-style Baptist-run boys' home. Um, it was 30 miles north of Hasbro, so we were in the middle of nowhere, like houses not for miles around us. And uh, so kind of in that atmosphere, like I had no friends, uh, was homeschooled because there was no schools around us. And so I kind of instantly became like a cowboy or at least a wannabe cowboy, and uh, that was me back then. I was not, I was not cool. I guess some things never change. Um, so kind of instantly kind of made animals my friends, so to say. You know, they were my only people I could talk to. And uh, so I grew up on horses a lot, rode horses all the time, and I was in charge of the, the chickens for this boy's home, and we had over 100 chickens, and... Uh, the Hooterites used to call me the chicken boss, for I was the boss of those chickens. I could make them lay eggs. And uh, so, you know, kind of grew up cowboyish, I guess. But kind of something all changed when, when I was 12. I was uh, riding my horse, chasing some cows in a field. And it uh, fell in a badger hole and rolled over me. Ended up uh, crushing my lungs, shattering my vertebrae, and uh, uh, just kind of messed me up, and uh, so I was sent to the hospital in Billings for weeks, and, uh, and then sent back for recovery time. Uh, about a year later, uh, my legs started going numb, so they decided to do surgery on me, and they put titanium in my back. And so it was like this two, two three-year ordeal, and it, uh, when you, with that type of uh, injury, they put you on these drugs called Oxycontin, and it's uh, this very high dosage, powerful pain pill. And so I was on that for about two years straight, just popping them like candy. And the doctors finally said, like, like if you don't get Caleb off of these pills, like, he's going to be an addict the rest of his life. And, you know, 
So my parents started weaning me off of these pills and uh, started having these horrible withdrawals. And with that, I started having this, this deep depression. And I, I remember I started asking God, like, God, why would you do this to me? And me asking, like, why God is not something, like, that I grew up with. Like, you don't ask God why. Like, the type of church I went to, like, it was just how it is. Like, what happens is, is the way it is. Like, you don't question God. But I remember I started, I started kind of questioning, like, God, I thought, I thought you loved me. Like, I thought you cared about me. Like, why would you ha- let this happen to me? Like, I'm in full of pain. Like, when all the other kids my age are out playing, you know, sports and raising a ruckus, like, I'm stuck inside, like, walking with a cane and all shriveled up. Like, why would you let this happen to me? Like, the worst thing I've ever done is, you know, lie and steal something. Like, I haven't ever killed someone. Like, why didn't you let that happen to Johnny, you know? Like, not me. And so, uh, in that process of asking God why, I started, I started trying to find some answers. And so, I started kind of doing my own research and my own study. And I remember I started reading the Bible, looking for answers of, you know, why God would let this happen to me. And so, I remember I got, got on this kick of reading Ecclesiastes. And if you've ever read Ecclesiastes, it's like, one of the most depressing books of the Bible out there. Like, and it's, it's basically this journey of this, this guy uh, named Solomon. And Ecclesiastes is, is kind of like his journal. And he goes, you know, trying to find purpose and meaning and happiness in life. And so he kind of, uh, kind of tries all this stuff, you know, sex and education and alcohol and wealth. And like he, he d- does kind of a checklist of like, what's going to make me happy? What's going to fulfill me? And, you know, one thing after the other, and it's not making them happy. And I kind of related to this. And so I was just reading Ecclesiastes month after month. And I remember my mom was like, Caleb, like, stop reading the Bible. You're like, you're getting more depressed as you read this book. Like, please read anything else. And, uh, but I remember, uh, I remember running into a verse in Ecclesiastes that kind of spoke to me, and it was uh, Ecclesiastes uh, 3.1, to everything there is a season and a time, to every purpose under the heaven. And I remember reading that and being like, okay, God, like, I don't know why you would let this happen to me, but there's got to be a purpose, right? Like, like you say, everything happens for a reason. And so I started thinking, okay, there's got to be a purpose for this accident. And then also in that, that time, I ran across a verse in Ephesians, and Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So with those two verses, I kind of started on this path, kind of like Solomon did, of like, so what, what is my purpose? Like, what is going to make me happy in life? Like, there's a purpose for my injury, okay. So what about me? Is there like a purpose for me? And what is that? And so I kind of started on this trajectory of finding that. So fast-forwarding, I messed up on that word last service too. So um, going forward uh, a couple of years, um, I, was, I was going in, I was in ninth grade, supposed to be going into... Uh, uh, my sophomore year in high school, and you know, I was homeschooled all those middle school years because I couldn't go to public school because of my injury. My parents moved to Shoto, 
And they gave me this, these two options, you know, go to public school or you could continue being homeschooled. So this thought of, you know, trying to find happiness because I was still really depressed, you know, didn't have any friends. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go to public school and, you know, try to make some friends. And, and it was really kind of two reasons. It was one, to make friends, and then they had a woodshop class, and I really liked woodworking. And so I was like, yeah, I'll take woodshop class. But little did I know, again, that if you don't take middle school seriously, you can't go into public school as a sophomore. So once again, they made me repeat ninth grade. So I really, yeah, that, that was long. Yeah, that was a bummer. Um, so uh, so kind of got started a bad start to my high school career. And uh, kind of the other thing that didn't go well is... Uh, I didn't play football, I had no care to play football, but in that small of a school, everyone plays football. Like, if you don't, you're the outcast, and I didn't play football, and it was me and the two science nerds that didn't play football, and so kind of I was the outcast, and they didn't like me, I didn't like them, we got in scuffles, and it was not good. And within a couple months of being into school, you know, wasn't really happy, but I liked woodshop class, but I ended up lighting a garbage can in, in school on fire. And that's a big no-no, like you do not light a garbage can on fire. And they knew, they knew that I liked uh, woodshop class, so they ended up uh, kicking me out of woodshop class. So students, don't do that. Um, so uh, I got kicked out of woodshop class, and I was like, well, geez, there's no point in me going to school anymore. So I had this brilliant idea that I was going to go get a job and I was going to work for a cabinet shop and I'd have wood shop class all day long and make money. So I found a Helena phone book and started flipping through the pages, calling uh, all these uh, cabinet shops uh, looking for a job. And of course, as soon as they heard my little boy voice, they would like instantly hang up and like, no, we can't hire a child. And, uh, (laughs) but but the last one I called, was like, yeah, we'll hire cheap child labor, of course, come on down. So I ended up packing my bags and moving to Helena, and so I really only finished eighth grade, so I don't know, take that from what you want, but uh, moved, moved to Helena and uh, started working at this cabinet shop, and uh, it was not very fun because all I did was sweep floors for eight hours a day and make you know, not very much money at all. But with that transition, my life kind of, my eyes were kind of opened because in that industry, uh, the people that work there are, you know, old 50-year-old hippies who hate life, are ticked off about everything. And so by by 10 o'clock, they'd go get stoned. By noon, they'd go drink a six-pack. And by three, you know, they'd just be done for the day. And, And I'd never seen this before. Like, I was raised in a sheltered kind of life. Like, I'd never been around drugs or alcohol or pornography. And so my eyes were just, like, opened huge. And uh, they saw me as a very vulnerable little boy. And so they started pressuring me with all this stuff. And then with that, they started kind of being like, oh, so, so you're a good little Christian boy, huh? How's that working out for you? And they started kind of picking apart what I believe and started, you know, is that, is that really what you believe or is that just your, what your parents believe? And, and with that being kind of hammered with all these questions, I was like, I don't, I don't know. And 
so it began to be a lot easier just to be like, no, I don't believe in Jesus. Like, eh. So I kind of put my, my faith on hold because it was a whole lot easier not to be questioned by these people. But I was still on this path of trying to find kind of purpose and meaning and kind of what, what I was supposed to do in life. So I ended up uh, leaving that cabinet shop after someone tried to kill me, but that's another story, and getting a job for another cabinet shop in town. And I kind of moved quickly in the ranks there and was really motivated to kind of be the best in my field because I was thinking, you know, that would give me purpose and make me happy. So, you know, within a year, I ended up being a shop foreman of, you know, these 50-year-old guys that had been doing this for 30 years. And, you know, me being in charge of them was not not good for them because I'd only been, you know, working for a couple years in the cabinet industry. But I was just really motivated, started making good money, was making over 18 or 16 bucks an hour uh, there. So, you know, had this money, had was in charge of people, and it was this drive of like, yeah, that, that'll make me happy. But, uh, but it, you know, each step that I accomplished, you know, didn't make me happy. You know, the grass is always greener on the other side, like, is totally true. So, so I was like, well, I know what would make me happy. Like, if I, if I started my own business, like, then I would be happy. Like, then I would feel fulfilled. So I ended up quitting uh, working for those shops and uh, started my own business, and it kind of kind of instantly took off and became you know pretty successful, and uh, you know was doing pretty good with clients and was making decent enough money, and I, I just still felt this emptiness, kind of this void in me, like why am I not happy? Like me of every, anyone should be happy. Like I got this good, and uh, so it was so it was just uncontent and. Kind of something that changed there was I ended up having coffee with with this guy that uh, I knew, and uh, he was kind of the same background as me, kind of real uh, strict church upbringing. I remember going to coffee with him, thinking that I'd have this inner, innocent uh, conversation with him, but little did I know that he would start hammering me with these questions like, Caleb, uh, I don't think you're saved. Like, I don't think you believe in God. Like, you're not doing, like dude, you're, you're totally not following Jesus or saved at all. And I, I totally kind of went on the defense. I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, I believe in God. And he's like, well, you know, you haven't been coming to church, uh, haven't been t- attending these two Bible studies. And I totally went on the defense. And uh, he, uh, he whipped out a verse, because those people bring... Their Bibles with them everywhere. And uh, he pulled out his Bible and uh, he turned to Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in uh, Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And I instantly knew this verse. And he's like, see, Caleb, you need to do the good things that you know, God planned for you. And so me being the smart aleck, I was like, okay, well, what are those good things? And he's like, well, you know, first off, you need to start coming to church. You need, uh, you know, Wednesday night, get in, you know, at least two Bible studies a week probably. Uh, no more ACDC music for you because that's not helping you. And just started kind of doing this checklist, like, how to follow Jesus, like, this certain path, like, you have to fall, follow. 
And I instantly just got mad and heated up because that, that's what I was raised with was this, this checklist of, you know, do's and don'ts and how you can follow Jesus. And I remember grabbing the Bible from him and uh, turning to Matthew. And I was like, dude, like, this is not at all what Jesus intended. Like, you're a Pharisee. And in Matthew 23, uh, Jesus is having this discussion with uh, these so-called uh, Jesus followers, and these Jesus uh, followers are saying, you know, you have to do this, you have to do that, you can't do that. It's just this checklist, like this mold that you have to fit into exactly. And Jesus was just getting ticked off at them, like, this is not what I'm about at all. Like, he got more mad at these guys than, you know, the prostitute and the tax collector. Like, he was just livid. And I remember reading to this, this kid that I was talking with, um, chapter Matthew 23, verse 27. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. I was like, see, you're a dead man walking. Like, Jesus doesn't like you. That's what you are. And uh, so I remember leaving that conversation, and I feel bad for now how that ended but kind of we were both ticked off at each other. And I remember driving home that day thinking like, so, so God says to do the good things he intended us to do. What are those good things? Like if it's not like this, this checklist of like do's and don'ts of, you know, of uh, how, to, how to follow Jesus. Like don't get me wrong, like going to church and, you know, and reading your Bible, like that's all good stuff. But like that's not like what all Jesus is about. He's about something more. So I was like, what is that? Like, what is he more about? And uh, so I just started doing this research of like, what is it? And I kind of found it in Matthew 25. And it's this, this interaction with Jesus and these Pharisees again. And uh, he's saying, you know, when I come back, I'm going to come back and, you know, judge, judge you all and judge you on what you did. <clears throat> and Jesus says, you know, I'm going to judge you on and he continues to say this, I was hungry and you gave me no meal. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was homeless and you gave me no bed. I was shivering and you gave me no clothes. Sick and in prison and you never visited. And then those goats are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or homeless or shivering or sick or in prison and didn't help? He will answer them, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you failed to do one of these things to someone who was being overlooked or ignored, that was me, you failed to do it. You failed to do it to me. And so I started thinking like, whoa, like, are those good things that Jesus intended us to do? Is that like help the homeless and like feed the, feed the poor and help the, help the widowed? Like, is that what God intended us to do? Is that, is that our purpose? And so I started thinking like, what do I want my gravestone to say? Like, when I'm done with this life, like, do I want people to say, like, Caleb was, was a good guy, successful, you know, business, you know, educated, hot, top of his class, uh, you know, went to church all the time, never said cuss words. I was like, no, I don't, I don't want that at all. Like, I want my gravestone to say, like, this guy's life was, like, hard. This guy's life was messy. Like, he did not take the easiest path all the time, but, like, he loved people, and he loved God, and he served others. Like, that's, that's what I want, you know, my gravestone to say. And so I kind of started with a new outlook of trying to, trying to live that out, you know, 
love God and, and love my neighbor and started trying to serve others and in my current, you know, of me running my business. And, and it kind of gave me this sense of fulfillment and, and purpose. And, you know, for me to say that, like, now it's easy and, you know, I never struggle, like, it's far from the truth. Like, every day, like, I wake up and I'm, like, struggle with doing those good things that God intended me to do. But, but with that, it also, it also kind of gave me a sense of hope and, and fulfillment. So I guess, kind of, that's my journey. And I guess my cha- challenge for you guys would be, you know, what are those good things that, you know, God intended you to do? Like, that's different for all of us. Like, God does not have, like, certain things, you know, for, you know, this, this mold for everyone. Like, those good things are different for everybody, and it'll look different for you. But I guess my challenge for you is to look like, what is that? Like, is it, is it in your marriage of, you know, being a better spouse or dad or, or mother? Or, you know, is it, is it in your workplace of inviting the guy that just got a divorce and inviting him over for supper and, you know, encouraging him and, and kind of uplifting him uh, to get, get him through that time? Or, you're, or if you're a college student, is it, you know, grabbing a couple friends uh, every month and going to God's love and helping out with the, the homeless and the poor and, you know, helping that way. Like, what are those good things that God intended you to do, like, where you are at today? And I guess if you're someone, you know, who, who doesn't even know about this whole Jesus thing or, you know, believe in God, I guess my, my challenge for you would be, uh, what do you have to lose, like, do your own research and study and, and look into God. Like, are you totally satisfied and fulfilled where you are right now? Like, what do you have to lose to maybe, maybe do your own research and, and get kind of some fulfillment? Um, so, so that's kind of my journey of purpose and uh, where, where that lands at today of you know, getting to lead student ministry is kind of my vision is kind of twofold for... Uh, it's for students, you know, to walk, walk in life with them and encourage them and, you know, show them that God loves them and that, you know, God's got a plan for them and uh, build relationships with them and try to, try to just walk life with them uh, is really, really the hope there. And then uh, the second vision is, is to get some 20-something leaders and, and build a community. And, you know, when we serve middle schoolers on a Friday night, uh, we then go, you know, hang out at Big Dipper ice cream and, you know, encourage each other and uh, pour into each other and, you know, make fun of each other and just, just build this community of 20-something leaders that uh, kind of can, can grow and can, you know, do, do the good things that God, God intended us to do. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to pray. God, just uh, thanks for... Thanks for creating us. Thanks for creating us masterpieces that, you know, we're not masterpieces like, you know, Mona Lisa or, or Beethoven, but masterpieces like Mount Everest and that, uh, that you loved us, that you, you gave us a purpose in life and that, that you intend us to do those good things, God. I just, thanks for your mercy and your grace and your awesome creation and thanks that uh, we can be the church uh, together. Amen. For more information on Narrate Church, visit www.narratechurch.org or download the mobile app for Android and coming soon to the iTunes Store.